Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you very much, Glenn. Really love and appreciate you once again. To all those that I'm contacting with and connecting with, Bob and Rhea and others, just a shout out to you this afternoon. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your prayer support. You know, a lot of times facilitating these sessions takes prayer time, takes commitment. It's so, so nice to have you just praying with us, supporting us, and just backing us up and lifting us up in prayer. It's so necessary as the body of Christ works together. Today, we're going to start with looking at releasing forgiveness. And as we start, we're just going to say, ask Father God, help us with that which is fundamental to our walk in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Not harboring bitterness and resentment and judgment, but Lord, being set free ourselves to walk in the newness of life, the fullness of life, and the blessings that you have provided for us. Lord, thank you that you help us in this massive task if we tried it in the natural. But thank you, Lord, in the supernatural, it's your ability to release us in prayer as we ask you, Lord. You said, ask anything in my name, and it shall be done. And so, Lord, I thank you today that we can ask to learn how to walk in a forgiveness and a role of the Spirit and a realm of the Spirit that is supernatural and not calmly dictated. So bless us, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord, that we can redeem this time and have it fruitful and positive in our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to follow your notes. I haven't deviated much from the notes because I want you to be able to go back. And as you read it, it triggers certain thoughts and certain uh, suggestions in your heart and in your mind. Now, it starts with a quote from John Arnott. It says, forgiveness is the key to blessing. Forgiveness and repentance open up our hearts and allow the river of God to flow freely in us. That is so true. And so often we get caught up, contaminated by the unforgiveness and the, the fruits of the unforgiveness. I once wrote a quote that is very similar to this, but it says this. Unforgiveness is like the fatty food that produces cholesterol or bitterness that clogs the arteries, the rivers of living water that lead to heart attack and heart failure. I want us to understand this afternoon that that bitterness that we allow to go unchecked in our lives is that like eating fatty foods that will increase our cholesterol and it's not healthy for us. Well, folk, this afternoon, unforgiveness is not healthy for us. Bitterness, resentment, and all those things that do derive from it and stem from it, those are not good for us. And, you know, a lot of times, as Apostle Glenn was saying in the introduction, now this is one of the topics that many people think it's easy. We just say, we forgive you. But do we really forgive? Do we really release those people in a spirit of forgiveness. And that's what we want to look at in this session five, how to release forgiveness, not speak forgiveness, not, not drink a cup of tea and say all is forgiven, but meantime in our hearts, we're still carrying some lead weight in the pit of our stomach and, it, and it's just weighing us down and drooping our shoulders. We want to learn how to walk in forgiveness. So I want to speak some practical things today. You know, we can look at the Greek and the Hebrew. We can go into deep theological studies. We can go into to well-watered homiletics. But when we're talking about the practicalities of forgiveness, we need to understand the basic essence of how do we walk in that forgiveness and extend that forgiveness to other people. Well, I think we need to understand, firstly, the love of God. Understanding how much God loves us. You see, one of the things that we also need to understand, I believe, that is fundamental to our Christian life and our spiritual development. When we got saved, our spirit man was saved. When we got born again, we were regenerated or recreated in our spirit man. 
instantly we were saved. But the rest of us, our mind, our will, our intellect, they didn't instantly get saved or transformed. That's why the Bible talks about the renewing of our mind. And it's a process. And some take a little longer than others to get the process down pat and get it working and operating in their lives. Others do it a little quicker. But no matter who we are and what our circumstances are and where we've come from and what past we have, it is a process. And the Bible talks about the renewing of our mind, the transforming of our old nature into a new nature that is after the form of godliness or Christ-likeness. And you see, we were taught, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little later in the session, we were taught a worldly system. We were taught, even though we read in the Bible, in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, vengeance, we watched that. We grew up with that because we didn't grow up saved. We weren't saved in our mother's womb. So we grew up learning principles that were not, they were carnal principles and not spiritual principles. And one, unfortunately, one of those principles was vengeance, retribution, and eye for an eye. And now we come as Christians and somebody jumps up and says, you've got to forgive. Now, that may be true in terms of the, the final verdict or the final destination. But we need to learn how are we going to take that journey of forgiveness? How do we change our mindset? How do we reprogram, as it were, our thinking pattern so that we are not offended? We don't take offense. We don't get hurt and we don't bear grudges and carry with us unforgiveness. We need to, I believe, we need to devote time, attention, to learning how to renew that section of our mind, that portion of our mind that needs to understand forgiveness. We need to study it a little bit more out of our own dynamic, out of our own life, because we all come from different pasts. We all have different things that have shaped us, molded us, and created barriers and hindrances in our lives. And so when we look at Romans 8, a well-known passage of Scripture, a great piece of Scripture, it says there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, we all quote that Scripture when, when we've done something wrong and we're looking for somebody else to forgive us. We're quick to quote, hey, well, I'm not condemned. I'm in Christ. Who walk. You see, the condition is who walk, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit is life in Christ Jesus. And that law of the Spirit has made us free of the law of sin and death. And I want to establish this afternoon as we discuss this, I want to establish a principle. That one law of God can set us free from a law of the natural. The law of God, the law of life in the Spirit, sets us free from the law of the natural. And it's not just about life and death, sin and righteousness. There's many uh, examples in the Bible and many principles and foundations in the Bible that the law of the Spirit sets us free, redeems us or reclaims us from the curse or the penalty of the things of the flesh, the carnality of the flesh. And so we need to understand how that works. Now, one of the things that, that we, we understand, Paul encourages us in Romans 8 not to walk in the carnality of flesh, not to walk in the things that operate in the flesh, but rather walk in the operation of the Spirit of God. And you see, forgiveness cannot be taken out and put on, on, a, on a shelf or isolated for a single topic. Forgiveness is part of a suite of spiritual responses to life in the Spirit. Forgiveness is not monologue. Forgiveness is dialogue. And forgiveness gets added to the collective of spiritual response. It's not individual. Because God wants us to walk free of the things of the flesh. Now, pride is a thing of the flesh. 
And so when we operate in a deal of pride in our lives, we are more likely to walk in unforgiveness because our pride got hurt. And it's the pride aspect that disallows us or hinders us from releasing other people in forgiveness. Why? Because we got hurt, our pride, our arrogance or whatever led us to have pride and we got hurt. And now we wonder why we can't forgive, possibly because of that pride is stopping us releasing. We want to be right. We want to have the upper hand, say the last word or whatever those things are that want us to come out on top. Whereas forgiveness is a mechanism in the spirit to release. Secondly, we need the mind of Christ. Now, many, many years ago, we used to, many people, there was a fashion at the time, people wore those bangles. What would Jesus do? What would the WWJD? What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus operated in forgiveness. Jesus operated in mercy. And we'll talk about the difference just now about how to operate in, in mercy and grace rather than operate in a different spirit, in a contrary spirit to goodness and grace. Now, in Philippians chapter 2, if you, if you read the word in Philippians 2, we're encouraged to take life to its fullness. Joy, the peace, and operate in God's love. Philippians 2 is all about operating in that joy, that peace, the love, and the fullness of God. One of the things that I've seen through and my experiences through many years of ministry is that people that have unforgiveness and bitterness, resentment, anger, strife, all those things, contention in their hearts, captivates them and holds them captive, holds them prisoner in their minds and holds them ransom, jails them, as it were, into bondage, where they're no longer to be free. And so they start to, to be a little fake and a little, little presumptuous and pretentious. Instead of being real and being honest, the unforgiveness, the bitternesses, the jealousies, whatever those fleshly things are, hinders us from actually walking out a true, raw, honest life. Where we, if we greet somebody, we can do it with absolute sincerity, absolute goodness, godliness, and gifting, that people feel loved, feel appreciated, and feel wanted. Operating in a Christ-minded position. Remember this. When God looks at us as born-again, spiritual believers, what does he see? I believe when God looks at us, he sees Christ. We are hid in Christ. So when God looks at us, he sees Christ. When Christ looks at us, he sees the dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit looks at us, he sees his dwelling place, his, his place to occupy and work from. And yes, maybe... Sometimes it needs a little clean, a little spring clean, a little dusting, take out a little bit of the garbage maybe. But he doesn't see it as a wreck, as a derelict, as a destroyed vessel. He sees it as his home, his place of dwelling. And I want to tell you, that's how God sees us. And when we start to see each other in that same framework, we'll be more inclined and more positively focused to release people back to their plan, their purpose and the blueprint of God. You see, when we start to understand how big God is, how enormously loving, how good God is, how big God is, we sing those songs. Is, God, is God's love bigger than the offense? Is God's love bigger than the unforgiveness? Sure it is. But you see, when we lose sight of that, and we get distracted from that, we start to look at the unforgiveness. We start to look at the issues of resentment and, and hurt and all those areas in our lives. And secondly, how big God's love is for us. You know, one of the things we've been having some debates in some of the, the, the meetings that I'm in, some of the pastors groups I'm on, Jesus never leave you nor forsake you. 
When I make a mess, when I mess up, he pursues me. He runs after me to come and rescue me, to love me, to carry me out of the miry clay, to put his banner over me, which is love, to bless me, to encourage me, and to restore me. Too many times in religious teaching, the essence was that God's sitting on his throne with a big stick. And when we do wrong, he whips us and beats us and he shuns us out of his fellowship. I don't believe that's true, folk. I believe God, he sent Jesus to die even yet when we were sinners. How much more will he continue to love us even now that we are saved? God never pushes us away, never turns his back on us, never forsakes us. But he's always wanting to restore us, to bless us, to redeem us. He called us by name. And when we start to understand that, you see, one of the biggest problems in forgiveness is not forgiving people. One of the biggest issues of forgiveness is actually forgiving ourselves. Many times we get very hard on ourselves. Many times we beat ourselves up. Instead of just seeing God's forgiveness as it is, saying sorry, Lord, and repenting, and then allowing God just to come and facilitate the healing. You see, God loves us just the way we are. He loved us when we were yet sinners. He loves us even when we're in a mess and we get it wrong and we blow it. But because of that great love, he doesn't leave us in that situation. He comes after us. He pursues us to restore us and make us vessels again of honor, of, of silver and gold and precious stones, not wood, hay, and stubble. God wants to purify us and make us the reflection of his glory, the reflection of his image. And so when we look at Ephesians, it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, we have to acknowledge this afternoon, folk, that he is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and our sin, he made us alive to come and be together with him in, in Christ Jesus. By grace, we were saved. Now, when we understand that, God's grace extended forgiveness to us. God's grace, God's love, and God's mercy extended to us a gift of grace, a gift of forgiveness. I didn't earn it. I could never earn it. I didn't merit it. I could never merit it. But he extended it to me as part of the gift that he put in my life. Now, as we started in Romans chapter 8, we said that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Well, triumphing over the natural laws are the supernatural spiritual laws of God. And we need to understand how that works and how God operates in that. Mercy always triumphs over judgment. God's grace always triumphs over retribution. That's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of grace and mercy is superior and it's higher than the law of justice and judgment. And you see, in the natural, the world systems that we live in, the world systems that we operate in, our judicial systems of the world are geared on justice and judgment. But the law of the Spirit is geared on mercy and grace, the love of God. And I believe that we get to make a choice. We get to be able to operate in either justice and judgment, which is a carnality, it's a worldly system, or we get to operate in mercy and grace, which is a supernatural power of God that comes into operation in our lives. And remember, if you read your Bible in Matthew 18, there's an account, it's not a story, it's an account. There's an account in the Bible where the, the king wanted to check on the, on the debtors, and they brought a servant to him, if you know the, the account. They brought a servant to him who couldn't pay. He owed, the, he owed the, the master a lot of money. And the master wanted to put him, his wife, and his kids in jail until and sell them, sorry, into slavery until such time as they could pay their debt. 
And this servant pleaded and, and, and pleaded his case with the master and said, please, I'll, you know, I'll pay you. Just give me some grace. And the master was moved with compassion and, and, and set him free and gave him grace. Well, that same person that was given the grace and set free then went to somebody who owed him money, which was even a minus amount, a very minuscule amount, and said, pay up or else, and, and wanted to jail him and put him in jail until he paid his debt. And so he applied a double standard into the area of grace and forgiveness. And we know in that account, the others went to the master and said, you know, you gave this guy off. You, you pardoned him. You gave him grace. But he didn't pass that on to somebody else. He acted differently. He acted in a contrary spirit. And the master called him back, and the Bible says he was angry with him. And he punished him, put him in punitive measure until he could pay his debt. Now, that's, a, that's an account Jesus was laying down a principle of sowing and reaping. He was laying down a principle of what we do, what we expect God to do for us, we need to do for other people also. And you see, we need to understand today, I've made big mistakes in my life. I've messed up. I don't know about you. I'm the first to put a hand up and tell you I messed up. In many times, many situations, I did it wrong, got it wrong, was sensitive and oversensitive and insensitive and all those things all at the same time sometimes, especially when I was younger and a lot more zealous for God. I had more zeal than wisdom, and boy, did that cause trouble. But, you know, those that were walking with me and mentoring me and guiding me and growing me, they showed me what forgiveness was and, and what the grace of God was. And for somebody that has much to be forgiven for, I was able to extend that forgiveness and grace to other people, knowing that what I was forgiven for and the things that I did that were wrong, that how merciful and grateful God was to forgive me, how could I not extend that same grace to people that owed me, for instance? You see, that's learned by practically understanding and, re and having the reality of an understanding that God who's rich in mercy, forgave me a sinner that didn't deserve to be forgiven, didn't deserve to be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. However, because his number one priority, his number one concern was to restore relationship with me so that I would not be separated from him through guilt, shame, disbelief, unbelief, or whatever, God wanted to restore me to fellowship. And many times, folks, when we forgive people, when we release those people, we are it's not just an act of forgiveness. <coughs> Excuse me. It's an act of restoration of fellowship. It's an act where we say to people, excuse me, it's an act where we say to people, the relationship is more important than the offense. <laughs> the relationship is more important than the offense. The relationship is more important than me being right. The relationship is more important than my pride. <laughs> and when we understand that, it's a key to God unlocking forgiveness unlocking release in our heart and in our spirit. But when we don't operate in that law of the spirit of, of goodness and justice, sorry, goodness and mercy, we drop down, we decline, we rescind into the natural realm of judgment and justice. Then we start demanding justice for the wrongs. We start demanding judgment against people that have done us wrong. And we take ourselves out of the realm of the spirit and we put ourselves into the realm of the natural. Now, not only does that put the people that we are uh, dealing against or dealing with into bondage, but it also puts us into bondage by the same principle that we read in Matthew 18. If we were unforgiven, if we were unforgiving, those that forgave us can now hold us by the same tenor. And that's what God wants to stop. And that's what God wants to change. And so one of the foundational uh, emphasis of forgiveness 
has to be then the principle of sowing and reaping. What you sow, we reap. And so when we learn that what we sow is what we're going to reap, so when we've already reaped forgiveness, so we ought to then sow forgiveness. If we have sown forgiveness, we will there also reap forgiveness. They work hand in hand. They are dual tangent. They don't work in opposition. They work together. Luke 6 says, judge not lest you be judged. You see, what it's saying is what if you sow judgment, you'll reap judgment. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap in Galatians 6 verse 7. And sometimes we lose sight of that when it comes to, to, to forgiveness and releasing people. If we don't release people, we are going to be trapped in the bondage that we set. It's like somebody setting a booby trap. And instead of the enemy getting caught in the booby trap, you accidentally detonate it and it goes off in your own face. Well, many times unforgiveness is exactly that booby trap. It'll go off in our own face if, we, if, we, if we're just careless and reckless. And God doesn't want that. That's why God doesn't want us to operate in those areas. You see, when we fail to forgive others, not only do we put them in bondage and lock them in a prison, lock them in, 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 in a silo of unforgiveness, bitterness, and a downward uh, thing of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, we lock ourselves in that same thing too. I hear so many Christians come and talk for, when they come for counseling. So many Christians. Well, I'll forgive him when. You see, it's not conditional. Jesus never put that on us. He never said, I'll forgive you when. He sent his son to die for us, even yet we were still sinners. Now, you see, that's why we need to understand there's a cycle of repetition. And when we don't understand the cycle of repetition, it's like history. In world history, have you noticed history repeats itself? Well, that's because it works in the law of repetition. It works in the cycle of repetition. Because what you sow, you reap. And that cycle just keeps going round and round. And people keep reaping what they've sown and what they've sown, they keep reaping. And you know, the Bible talks about our sins being visited even to the fourth generation of our children. And sometimes we may be locked in things that it wasn't our doing, it wasn't our uh, uh, initiation. It might be the sins of parents and grandparents that have locked us into generational curses and generational uh, issues. For instance, just a good example, if I look at some of the clan wars that are still being fought today, the people that are alive today in 2022, they are at loggerheads and at odds with their neighbors up the road because there was a clan war that started three, four generations ago. And if you ask the people today, why are you fighting? They don't even know why they're fighting. But they don't sit down and work it out and forgive one another and mend the breach and repair the breach and live on. No, they're continuing the war that somebody else started. Many times... We are continuing the war that something else started. Pride, bitterness, jealousy, resentment. Now, we might have got rid of some of those areas in our lives, but we've carried on the war of unforgiveness. And I believe today it's time that we just said, Lord, I'm sorry. Let me lay this down. Let me get rid of this and let me be free of it so that I can walk on in the glory of God. You see, Part of that law of the cycle of repetitiveness, when you have somebody that's that their parents are really not the model that they want to be, and they say, I don't like that. But they end up then marrying the person, like a daughter, doesn't like her dad because of some of the things he does. And because of her resentment and bitterness, she ends up marrying a man just like her dad. And she doesn't know why the cycle repeated. Because in her heart, there's issues that dad did that she never forgave him for and released him of. And those things came back repetitively in the cycle of repetition into her life, or it could be a man who didn't appreciate what his mom did and he spoke lies or curses against his mom. And those things held him in bondage and he winds up marrying somebody just like his mom. And that cycle just continues. It's time we break it. How do we get the spirit of forgiveness to flow in our lives? Well, firstly, it's a principle of choice. We choose to forgive. We choose to say, Lord, 
I forgive them, bless them, and release them. See, there's three parts of forgiveness or the operation of forgiveness. We choose to bless them, to forgive them, and then release them. See, you can say, I forgive you, but never release them. You can say, I forgive you and release them, but never speak blessing over them. You know, when I know that you and I have started to really forgive somebody is when we start speaking life and blessing over them. You see, the world system says this, I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. See, when, you, when we adopt that, we haven't released them and we haven't blessed them. We are still there ourselves held in this bondage where we're not released and we're not blessed. I love it when you can say, Lord, I love them, I bless them, I release them, I forgive them, bless them, Father, because their blessing and success abounds back to me a hundredfold when I've operated in a right spirit, when I've operated in the correct spirit. That's not easy. I'll put my hand up today and say, if it was easy and I could put it into a pill and I could put it into a box and I could say to you, take two pills three times a day and a week, you'll have forgiveness buttoned down. Man, I would make a fortune, but it don't come in a pill. It don't come in a bottle. It comes in the spirit. It comes in the heart where we choose to forgive. And sometimes, you see, we try and do it mechanically with our head, with our mind. Well, the Bible says I have to forgive. So I'm just going to do it with obedience. Listen to the attitude. Listen to the voice. Listen to the aggression in that. That's not forgiveness and release and blessing. That's mechanical. And that's why a lot of people don't walk in the fruit of forgiveness, having themselves release people because they do it just like that. Oh, I'm going to release them. Lord, I'm going to bless them. Oh, my goodness me. That's not love. Come on, somebody, say amen. That's not love. God wants us to release them, bless them with a joyful heart, with a purpose in our heart, to see them blessed. doesn't matter what they did. Jesus said it like this on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And even if they, you thought they did know, even if you thought they had purposeful intent, well, if they were really understanding the call of God and the principles of God of one kingdom, the ecclesia is one body, they wouldn't do it. So they don't know what they're doing. They don't know that the, the finger is saying to the toe, I curse you, I don't need you. They don't realize it. So we can say, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing, because truly they don't. If we understand that we need one another, if we understand we're intrinsically linked together as one body and we're better together, I will never say, I have no need of you. I will say, I need you. We have different roles, different functions, but I have need of you. And therefore, I want to do everything I can to restore relationship and build kingdom into all of our lives. See, the spirit of forgiveness is love. It's the release of God's love into that situation. It's not the release of judgment. It's not the release of condemnation. It's not the release of I was right, you were wrong. It's a release of God's love into that situation. Lord, I love them. I bless them. I release them now. I forgive them. You see, sometimes we need to just understand. I, I wrote, again, many years ago when I, when I taught on forgiveness, I wrote a definition of true forgiveness. And I know at the time, a lot of our leaders didn't like it. And a lot of the leaders got prickly with me and said, Derek, we don't like your definition. Yeah, I understand why they didn't like it, because it was darn hard. My definition of forgiveness was this. Treating the person the same after the offense as we did before the offense. Treating the person the same after the offense as we did treat them before the offense. In other words, when we were newly connected and there was lots of love and, we, man, this is a great friendship and it's all lovely and hunky-dory and everybody's getting on well and you can't wait to see that person and then something happens and there's an offense. When I truly forgive them, I want to go back and restore to what we had. And by doing, to do that, I've got to treat them as if the offense never occurred. Now, to do that, a key to that is very simple, folk. We've got to separate the sin from the sinner. We love the sinner, we bless the sinner, we forgive the sinner, but we've got to deal with the sin. Same as offense. 
We love the offender. We bless the offender. We forgive the offender. We release the offender. But we've got to deal with the offense because sin and offense have consequences. And we've got to deal with the fact of those matters, but we don't deal with the person. In the game of, of rugby, which play, we play in this uh, country or football in, in Europe, you play the ball and not the man. But when it comes to the church, the reason we, we are hard at forgiving is because we've played the man and not the ball. We've played the man and not the circumstance or the situation. We've played the person. And now we're holding that person in bondage because we don't know how to forgive. But when we learn to separate the two and play the ball and deal with the ball and sort out the offense and the offender, we can be in a better position. I'm not saying it's easier, but we can be in a better position to start to forgive. We need to separate. You see, we love the sinner. We don't like the sin, but we love the sinner. We want to restore the sinner and align the, the sinner that that sin is not committed again. We don't shut people off. You see, one of, the, one of the sad things for me in the ministry is when people get offended, what do they do? They act immaturely. Remember when we were four or five or when you had children that were four or five years old and they went to play together as a group and a couple of the kids were playing with the ball and say it was, it was your ball and, and the kids were playing with it and wouldn't let you play? What did you do? You went up normally, grabbed the ball because your ball, see, and then you said, well, I can't play. Nobody's going to play. And you took your ball and you went home. And you deprived everybody of playing with the ball. That was just acting slightly immaturely. Now, today we've grown up. We're now adult. We're, we've aged a bit. And now we do the same thing. We get offended, so we grab our stuff and we run. Now, when somebody runs like that, I pursue them. Because if we don't bring love and alignment and teach forgiveness and restoration, guess what's going to happen? That bitterness, resentment, anger, whatever you're going to call it, is going to fester in our lives, and they're going to repeat that same thing with somebody else, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but surely sometime in the future, they are going to do the same thing again. Why? Because nobody dealt with it. Now, from the ministry, some of us have been tossed and given the responsibility by God to tackle those issues. And boy, it's not easy. People get offended so quickly. Now, the Bible says, woe to those who cause offense. That's a separate thing. We'll deal with them. They need to be dealt with exactly the same, though. We need to love them, forgive them, separate the sin or the actions from them, love them, deal with the actions, sort out the repercussions of the actions, and deal with the sin, not the sinner. Love the sinner. But you know, when you take your, your, your toys, and I ask people, they come and they want to be part of our team and join our apostolic ministry. And they say, well, we were here. And I say, why did you leave? Well, we couldn't get on with the pastor. I said, ah, what I want to do is help you facilitate. I want to go back with you to that pastor. And I'm not saying you've got to go back there and stay there. Maybe there's damage. You want to, but I want you to leave there properly, having forgiveness being released and exercised so that you can be blessed and he can be blessed also. And, you know, very few, and I'm saddened to say, and I'm going to hold my head in shame, sadly, many people say, well, then I'm not coming to you. I'm not prepared to go back and fix this. And they run off in a half. They go somewhere else. And unfortunately, there's a pastor out there that says, oh, you're welcome, come with all that nonsense. And they never deal with it. And then one day it blows up in his face and he thinks, what did I do to deserve this? You see, we need to be accountable one to another. We need to be able, if I do something wrong, I expect Apostle Glenn to phone me and say, Derek, what you did was wrong. Or at least say, Derek, what you did, I don't understand. I want to give you an opportunity to explain it so we can deal with it and we stay in unity and we keep in Ephesians 4 the unity of the Spirit. See, part of forgiveness is to uphold Ephesians 4 to keep the unity of the Spirit and the fellowship one with another. There's too many offended, broken people in the body of Christ that don't even go to any church anymore. They don't go to any fellowship, any allotment. Why? Because they've been offended and never dealt with the offense. Now, unfortunately, we know they'll garnish it, they'll whitewash it, they'll, they'll give it an excuse to it. But the truth to the foundational root is the fact that 
bitterness and forgiveness has taken root. And I want to tell you, we need to pull that thing out as tough as it is, as sore as it is. We need to take it out and patch it up, love them, restore them, and forgive them. So how are we going to do it, Hope? Well, firstly, I believe in prophetic acts. I believe that we need to act on something rather than just keep the status quo in our lives. I always say to people this, and it's a principle, manage change before change manages you. And that's a whole topic for another day. But manage change before change manages you. You see, if there's unforgiveness or there's offense, manage the forgiveness before the unforgiveness starts to manage you and puts you in a box, puts you in a, in, in a straitjacket, puts you in a jail cell of bondage, and you could have managed it by praying, releasing, and forgiving. So what I want you to do in your notes or after the session, we're not going to do it now because of time, but after the session, I want you to look at the end of your notes. We talk about releasing forgiveness. Take, take the note, photocopy it. If you need to do it three or four times, it's fine. Just do what God shows you to do. Don't look under the rock for, for every uh, thing, but those things that are on your heart this afternoon, as I've been sharing and talking, you said, man, I've got to forgive that person. Man, I've got to release that person. Those are the people that today God's speaking to you by his spirit into your heart. Take that, that release thing. I forgive you, John, for, bang. Rhea says, Derek, I forgive you for, and you write it down. What are you, for, who are you forgiving, and what are you forgiving? Amen? Then you pray, Lord, I want to set them free, and I want to set me free from the judgment of unforgiveness and from operating in the law of justice and judgment. I want to operate in the law of mercy and and forgiveness. I want to operate in a different spirit. Lord, I release them. I bless them. I speak life over them, and I forgive them. And when we do that with a pure heart, and we release them. We then take that piece of paper and we take it to the cross and we put it down at the foot of Jesus and say, Lord, I no longer carry this thing. I've prayed, I've released, I've forgiven. Now I bless them, Lord. And you start praying blessing over their life. What are you doing? You're changing the operation of the spirit to a, 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 a session of blessing rather than a session of condemnation. And a cursing. See, then we're letting forgiveness flow. Then we are releasing forgiveness and it's beginning to flow. Remember the Lord's Prayer? I asked a group of Pentecostal charismatics the other day, how often as the church, the Pentecostal charismatic church, how often do we pray the Lord's Prayer? How often do we pray the Lord's Prayer? Some of the traditional denominational guys use it as part of their service, almost every service. But when, just think for a moment, in your, in your allotment, when you go to service, how often do we pray either individually or corporately the Lord's Prayer? Father, forgive them. Forgive me my sins and my trespasses, as I forgive those that have trespassed against us. See, if we were praying that more in sincerity, we'd be more inclined to be ready to operate in forgiveness. But you know that, that saying, that principle of the world, out of sight, out of mind? Many times, unforgiveness is out of sight and it's out of mind. And when it's out of sight and it's out of mind, we don't do it. So is this easy, folk? No, it's not easy. But it was the decision that once we make a decision, we release the power of God over it. And you know what? I'm willing to tell you, if you're a sinner, if you were the worst sinner in the world, when you came to Jesus and somebody led you to the Lord, prayed over you, ministered to you, was it easy to give your life to Jesus? Probably not. You had a struggle. Was it easy to understand that he forgave you of your sins? Probably not. But he did. That same power of the Spirit. That same power of faith, when we pray a prayer of forgiveness of somebody, of blessing and release, that same spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that got you and I saved, the same spirit that filled us with the Holy Ghost, that same spirit releases forgiveness in our lives and sets us free and sets that person free. It's not how we felt. Do we feel like it? Did we see something in the natural? No. We will, 
But as we pray, the minute we pray, the instant we pray, we are going to see a move in the Spirit, and there'll be a release in the Spirit of God. And that's what God is wanting. That's why when we release it in the Spirit, folk, we can see people be as they were before the offense. We can see people as they were before the sin, and we can start walking in the power of God. See, we think people owe us something. They owe us to come and say sorry. Let's not make that an important thing. Let's not hold their, their note of debt, their, their, their IOU. Let's not hold that against them. You know, if I've got a contract that you owe me money, I've got an IOU, and it's the only copy, and I'm holding it, see, because you owe me the money. And I burn that IOU in a fire, and I destroy it, and there's no copy of it, there's no original of it. The minute I burn that, you're forgiven and released from that debt. Why? Because the original ordinance that was against you called that IOU has been blotted out and wiped out. Well, the only one holding them in bondage is, the, is you and I. And the minute we put that on the cross, we didn't have to burn it, but the minute you put that on the cross and put it under the blood of Jesus, it's destroyed in the realm of the Spirit, and it cannot be used against you, and it cannot be used against them. For whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you remit are remitted. That's what the Bible says. And when we do that with a pure heart, when we do that with the right heart, and we speak love and forgiveness and blessing over people, they will be released. You and I will be released, and joy will return into our hearts and spirit. I want to tell you, I don't like walking around knowing that the people are hurt because of me, whether I did it purposely or I didn't, whether they got offended or not. I don't say, well, they're offended, it's on them. That hurts me. Why? Because they're, they're my brother and sister. They're part of the same body. And when there's a wrenching, when there's a ripping, it hurts my heart. How much more does it hurt my daddy's heart when he sees the body of Christ in schism together? And we hold the key to bring it back together. Remember, as I said, and we draw to close with this, every offense, every offense is caused to break relationships. Every offense, I don't care what it is, why it is, how it happened, why it didn't happen, every offense is caused to cause division and break relationships. And the principle, the foundation of God is to bring his body together, the ecclesia, as one body. So God's plan is to bring us together. Offense is a weapon of the enemy to cause us to be apart. So every offense, remember next time when somebody's being offensive to you, just think, this is an attack to break friendship, to break relation. Lord, I instantly release them, bless them, and pray for them, and work at restoring and keeping the bridge or the hand of fellowship extended that we don't break the relationship. And when we can do that, folk, man, I tell you what, the kingdom of God will be knit together. Let's just talk as we close. Last point, relationship versus fellowship. We are all related. We are one body. Now, I've got, a, I've got natural sons. They were my biological children. They were born of me from my seed. They will always be my sons. Whether they get married and have their own wife and in turn have their own children, they're still my son. If they immigrate from South Africa and they go and live like my oldest boy did, he went and lived in the UK, even though he's thousands of miles away, he's still my son. He's still related. But when he went miles away, the degree and the quality of our fellowship was not the same. Because he wasn't here where we could visit with each other and eat together. And in those days, we had Skype. We did, it was even before the days of Zoom, praise God. We had Skype. Didn't even have video calling on WhatsApp or whatever or Messenger on Facebook. We had Skype. That's all we had. And once a week, we would Skype each other and just talk to each other really bad. I mean, we still had those dial-up modems, and I'll give a prize to anyone who can make the noise of that dial-up modem with the old telephone line. Now I'm dating myself. But we would dial in and we'd Skype each other just for a bit. The signal was terrible. And if there was a storm within a million miles, the signal was even worse. You see, the quality of the fellowship was not quite perfect, but we were always related. Folk, 
There's many people that you are related to right now in the body of Christ. But the quality of the fellowship has been strained, has been separated because of offense. Let's rebuild the relationship. Let's rebuild the fellowship by praying, releasing them, blessing them, releasing ourselves so that the relationship will always be there. We'll always be brothers and sisters. We'll always be related in Christ. We're both and all hid in Christ. But it's the fellowship the relationships that got strained. Let's try. Let's pray. Let's trust God to restore those, the fellowship, the relational part of it, not just being related. There's a difference between being related and having relationship. I tell you this afternoon, folk, by the grace of God, his heart's desire is to see the body of Christ knit together without schism, without division, without blemish. And most of those are caused through offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentments, etc. Let's put those down today. Let's, let's be free. This school is about healing and delivering us and setting us free. Let in ourselves be set free from the bondage of unforgiveness and resentment. And let's walk in a spirit of forgiveness and reach out and build. Go and build the, build the bridge, repair the bridge, build the bridge, Reach out to people that have just walked away. Pursue them in love. Pursue them. I, I said to somebody just this week, what happened has caused you to flee and you've hurt the relationship. Consider restoring the breach. Consider coming back and mending the fence. And I can see it touch their life. Because what were they expecting? They were expecting me to come with my guns and my shields and my walls and put up barriers and say, you hurt me, you stay away. No, I come with an olive branch. I come with, I come with communion elements to say, let's break bread together. Let's forgive and let's build back together. Amen. I trust this session this afternoon has blessed you, this morning, evening, wherever you are. I trust you being blessed. If you're dealing with unforgiveness issues or just being forgiven yourself for something that you did, even if you didn't mean it, but it caused offense and you want help with that, I'm always willing and available to walk with you, talk with you, and pray with you through things that we can work together hand in hand because it's not, it's not good for us to live in that situation where we are the unforgiving or we're walking where people will not forgive us and they're holding us with their words and actions in bondage. So bless you. Love you and appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. To learn more about The Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.